All right, we're going to continue our series on love. We've been talking about God's love and how important it is to recognize the love of God. And if you're new here or you've just been coming here for a little while, every January we do our vision, embrace, encourage, equip, and empower. And we talk about how God in, 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 uh, has called us to embrace people where they are, to encourage them in the things of the Lord, to equip them with the word and with different tools that they can help, we can help them with, and then empower them to go do whatever God's called them to do. This year, God turned that a little bit and showed us how he embraces us, how God encourages us through the Holy Spirit, how he equips us with, with his word, and how he empowers us with his strength and his power. So this whole year so far, we've been on God's love for us, and look what, how God loves us, that he does all of this for us. So we've been talking about, and the whole basis of this entire uh, series is the two, two kinds of love. We have the human love, and then we have God's love. And we've talked about, does God define love, or has love defined God? And that's how we've talked about it. Because a lot of times when you hear the word, when you hear the phrase, God loves you, that's going to do something to you based on what you think love is. And in the world today, love is not sacrificial. Love is very selfish. Love is something that we, we say we love someone and then they hurt us or they do something that we don't like and we pull that love away. And it's a, it's a human love and it's not, it doesn't even compare with the kind of love that God is talking about. But if we look at love, if you've, you know, if you've been in love and then it didn't work out or, or if you really love someone and then they hurt you and you stop loving them or, or if someone loved you a lot and then something happened and they just stopped loving you, then all of a sudden you have this pain and you have this bad idea. If that's love, I don't want anything to do with it. And what happens is we end up taking what we see in love in the world today and we use it to find God. In other words, okay, if that's what love is, then that's how God loves me. And that's why we walk around so many times, believers walk around so many times feeling bad and condemned because we messed up. And we think, you know what, whenever I mess up, people that say they love me, they don't love me anymore. Therefore, God doesn't love me anymore. And what we've been learning is to not allow that to be a part of our life. What we've been learning is we have to allow God to define what love is. Because 1 John says, and, we, and, and we'll pull it up on the screen, 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from who? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is is love. If you want to know what love is, look to God. Don't take God and, and try to define God out of your idea of love. That's, where, that's why things get mixed up. Before this series, you don't have to raise your hand, but I would, I would dare to say there was a lot of people in here, and a lot, probably a little bit of all of us, that had a wrong idea of the love of God in some way. And we're realizing more and more the more we get to know God and the more we begin to learn more about his love, you can't help but feel better. You can't help but have more of a skip in your step, have your head up a little bit higher to say, wow, I'm loved. I am one loved person. 
You should remind yourself. I do. Literally this morning, I looked in the mirror and I said, brother, you are loved. And then I answered myself, I know. <laughs> but you know why? Because I remind myself, God loves me. When I, when I see my struggles, God sees it, but he looks past that. And he says, that doesn't define my love. My love is defined by me. And I'm God, and I am love. So I'll show you what love is. It's just a, it's a, it's a deeper thing, and it's a great understanding. So we started talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We went through this understanding the importance of knowing about God's love. We have to stay focused on God is love. And a lot of times when we do 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we start reading through it, and we, especially when we get through 4 through 7, we get those verses, love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't keep record of wrong, and all those things. It's not rude. It's not proud. Those are great things. But, you know, a lot of times we, when we teach that, and I've taught it this way in the past, it becomes a to-do list. Okay? Today, love is patient. Go be patient. And if God is love... Love is patient. If you receive the love of God, what do you receive? Patience. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The list goes on and on. That, all of that fruit comes from God. God is love. The Spirit of God produces this in your life. In Galatians 5.22, it starts in the New Living. It says it this way. When the Holy Spirit controls your life, you will produce, and then it lists them. So if we want to be patient, it's not about waking up in the morning and gritting your teeth saying, Today, dear gummit, I'm going to be patient. That's not going to work. How many of you have tried it? We talked about this before. You get in the long line at the store, I'm working on my patience. But you're angry as a hornet the whole time. You're mad. You're just counting how long it takes just to ring up one item. Come on already. How long does it take? Just take her money. Hurry up already. See, just because you're waiting doesn't mean you're patient. Right? You don't have a choice to wait. It's either wait or shoplift, and they're both wrong. <laughs> you're going to get in trouble either way. If you have a bad attitude, it's wrong. And if you steal it, it's wrong. So you got to wait until you can pay for it. But there's a lot of people that even in waiting, you're not patient. When you sit in traffic and people are just, oh, people are so frustrated with traffic. I get frustrated with traffic. But just because I waited in traffic for 30 minutes does not mean I was patient for 30 minutes. Just means I waited. But patience that comes from God, it, it, it looks completely different than the way the world says patience. So what we begin to talk about in 1 Corinthians 13 is the very attributes of love come when we receive the love of God. In other words, you can't truly be patient with people until you receive love that comes from God because that love is patient. So you don't have to get it when you get love and you receive love. That's patience. Love is patient. So if you have God's love, you have patience. And it's produced in your life. Love is kind. Listen, it's, I know on this one I still get some feedback on it because I stepped on a few toes. 
But if you're irritable and unkind, even if it's early in the morning and you're not a morning person, then basically you can say early in the morning, I do not walk in the love of God. Because love is not rude. It's not irritable. If you're irritable, you're not walking in the love of God. Why didn't you get any sleep? Well, then you need to learn how to walk in the love of God when you're tired. God can help you with that. But what we've done is because we, we take things and we put them in how we interpret it, instead of lining our, our life up with Scripture, we don't line Scripture up with our life. Well, yeah, but you've got to understand, I didn't have any sleep. Well, you've got to understand, love is still not root. If you have the love in you, it's possible, it's possible to begin to treat people the, the right way even when you're tired. Even if you had a rough day. Doesn't mean that you're not real and human and you might have those moments where you just, okay, give me just a minute. Lord, help me. Because right now I'm, I'm irritable and I know that's not of you. I just know that's not what love is. And I want to walk in your love today. If you continue to have this picture in your mind that you're the water hose, takes the pressure off, right? The hose hooks to the source of the water. And the water flows out of it, but the hose does nothing but just carry it. The, ho the, the hose doesn't produce water. It just connects to the water source. And out of the other end of it flows water. So you can just look at yourself like, Lord, I'm just going to connect to you. Can you just flow some patience through me? Especially with that one. Especially with her. Especially with him. Just turn the nozzle up on full speed. Hose them down with patience, God. Just let them have it. That whole kill them with kindness. We got to let God's love flow, but we got to receive it. So we started looking at this 1 Corinthians 13 in a way of it's all about receiving God's love. And then 1 Corinthians 13 is what your life will look like when you receive the love of God. It'll look like kindness. It'll look like patience. It'll look like it's very forgiving. It doesn't keep record of wrong. It rejoices when the truth wins out. It's not rude. All those things that we read. All right? Let's jump into it again. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go start reading in verse 1, and then we'll get to verse 8 where we're going to pick up today. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy... If I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I, gained every, if I gave everything I have to the poor, even if I sacrificed my body, I could, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. This is what love is. When you receive the love of God, this is what your life will look more and more like. Love is patient, and it's kind. Love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud. It's not rude, it doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. 
Love is always hopeful. And love endures through every circumstance. We talked about this last week. Go back to verse 7 real quick. We talked about how love never gives up. And the uh, King James or New King James translation, I think, says it this way. Love bears all. It believes all. Okay, it, it never loses faith. It bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all. When we talked about love last week, how it bears all. What that is, when you look that up in the Greek, it means covers. Almost the same word they would use then when they're building a roof. So if love covers, it means when people hurt you, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. When people mess up, love isn't the one pointing out people's faults all the time. Sometimes love covers it. Even in the midst of all, they made a bad decision. It's like, oh, yeah, guess what? Look what they did. That's not love. Even if it's in the name of your Christian prayer club, it's not love. Where you're saying, hey, we need to pray for them because they did this, 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 and this. And that's your spiritual way of, of letting all their stuff go out in front of everyone. We talked about the... the the illustration of Noah when he, they got off and he planted this vineyard and he started drinking some of the wine and he, got, he had a little too much. And he got drunk and he ended up in this tent naked. And then his younger, one of his brother, one of his sons went in there, Ham did, went in and saw him and came out almost mocking him. But it says the other two, Shem and Japheth, what they did is they grabbed a, a robe and they backed into the tent and covered him so they wouldn't see their, see their father like that. They covered him. That was kind of the love covers. When people, you know, are in situations and when people fail, and it's not, it doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth in love and we still encourage people and help people, but there comes a time, there are some times where you just need to cover and not expose everybody for every little thing that they've done. But you cover them. You believe in them. You begin to have something that says behind that hurt is someone who's valuable. Behind that outburst is someone who's hurting. Behind that mask is someone who's very sensitive. And love believes the best in people. Listen, I've had people who have said some really not nice things to me. And even about me. And I've learned to just think, you know, behind that, I think they're hurting. And that's what we have to remember. Love bears, love believes, love hopes. Even when it's getting tough to believe the best, there's still that hope that love has. And it endures. It doesn't give up. It never gives up. Now let's go to verse 8. Verse 8 said, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages, special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Prophecy Speaking in tongues. Those are great things. You know what prophecy is? Listen, this part of the reason this church is even here today is because when I was, at an, I was on staff at another church and I was at a conference, and while I was at the conference, someone came up to me and they said, man, the Lord has spoke to me to share something with you. And it was a word of prophecy. And, and he said, listen, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying, that there's a new season for you coming up, and you need to get ready for it. And there will be a season of faithfulness, and fruitfulness. Be ready. So I went back to my hotel room and I wrote it down. And I called Patty. I said, you never believe what just happened. I don't know what it means. That's what I feel like. But there's something inside of me that it, it bore witness with my spirit. I knew it was right. There's something right about it. Two days later, 
I'm in the lobby of a hotel room. Different guy comes up to me. And I had, I had spoken at a camp that he was at, and I've known him for a while, but I ain't seen him in years. He comes up to me, and he's like, he says, Scott, man, I saw you the other day, and I wanted to share this with you. I said, all right. And he says, man, God's got a new season for you, and it's coming up, and it's a season of faithfulness and fruitfulness. I said, hey, did you talk to? He said, I have no idea. No, I haven't talked to anybody. He said, I just saw you one day, and the Lord just put that on my heart. So I went, and I wrote it down. And I called Patty. I said, you never, you never believe it. Nick came up to me and told me the same thing that Jerry did. And they didn't talk. But they said the same thing. We need to get ready. You know, God's had to tell. He has to tell me twice because sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know if that's true. He's like, well, I'll tell you again with another stranger. And you know what? I wrote those things down. And I came home and I prayed. And I took some time and I fasted and I said, Lord, I'll receive from you whatever, whatever you have. And that was the beginning step of us leaving the place where we were and trusting God for whatever he had in the future. And he led us down this path, which has been amazing, amazing. Faithfulness and fruitfulness, just like he said. So prophecy is a great thing. But the day is coming, we're not going to need it anymore. It's temporary. It, it'll fade. Love will last forever. You know, tongues, it talks about speaking in unknown languages. You know, in Acts chapter 2, we won't read it, but in, in verses 1 through 11, it talks about the day of Pentecost, and, and they're in the upper room, and they're praying, and it says the Holy Spirit came as like tongues of fire, and they began to speak in unknown languages. And what was crazy is all the different people around that heard it, they all were hearing things, they were all hearing about the wonderful things of God in their own native language, languages that these people in the upper room didn't know. But the Lord, the Spirit of God had come on them and they were speaking in these languages. They had no idea. They hadn't spoken before. They didn't even know what language it was. They're just speaking. And people from all around are hearing the gospel message in their own language. That is pretty powerful. That is because of the Spirit of God that fell that day. And, 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 and it was all about the gospel being preached that everyone could hear it in the language they understood. Because of the gift of tongues. But guess what? That still doesn't compare. Because the day's coming and that's it's not going to be it. Knowledge. Not just knowledge and like studying, but a gift of knowledge. A word of knowledge that happens sometimes when you're, if you've ever been praying for someone and the Lord just gives you a little word of knowledge just to help someone in their, in their journey. And you don't know what's going on. It's like, I just feel like the Lord is just in, wants to encourage you in this. And and listen, don't get weird about that stuff because the Spirit of God can speak to you whatever he wants to speak. And he can, he can use his gifts in your life to speak to people where they're at. And if we'll be sensitive to hear the voice of God, we can be sensitive to speak to people in things that they don't even understand, they don't even know. And God gives you a word to say for someone at just the right time, and it changes their life. Just an encouraging word, a word of knowledge, something to help people in, in their journey. Even if you don't know where they're at, God does, and he can speak it to you so you can encourage them. Because sometimes you are the tool that God uses to speak to people. So if God wants to speak to someone and you're a willing vessel, you could easily be the one that he will use to speak to that person. And we want to have, be sensitive to that. But all of that at one day is going to become useless. But love, it, it's forever. One translation says it this way, love never fails. 
It'll never, it'll never fail. It'll never go away. Never. And let's, let's keep reading. Let's go to, let's go to verse 9. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Keep going. Go down to, go to 10 as well. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Listen, there's going to be a day where some of this stuff isn't needed anymore. But it's amazing that if you look in the chapter before 1 Corinthians 13, in this letter that Paul writes, in chapter 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts. In chapter 14, there's still more talk about the spiritual gifts. But he stops here to let them know, listen, spiritual gifts are important, and there's nothing wrong with them. But please don't get so caught up in the gifts that you miss love. Because God is the source of all the gifts, right? The Spirit of God is the source. It's all through the Spirit. So if God is the source and God is love, then everything flows out of love. So we have to have love as the primary thing. So Paul is actually encouraging the church in Corinth to say, look, I know you guys are real excited about these gifts and, and oh, we're operating these gifts and what gift am I and what gift am I going to operate in and, and prophecy and speaking in tongues and there's all this talk about these gifts. And Paul stops right in the middle of it and says, listen, the greatest, what you got to make sure is the most important thing. The only thing of all the gifts and everything, the only thing that's going to last forever, the only thing that is, is complete and full, the only thing that really, really matters when it all comes down to eternity is love. You receiving the love of God and the love of God flowing out of you. That's all that matters. That's, what, that's where it comes from. Listen, if you can't, I mean, it says it in, in the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. It says you can have prophecy you can speak in words of knowledge. You can speak in tongues. You can do all this stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. We believe in that stuff. But if you have all that and you don't love, you're annoying. You're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Did he just call me annoying? <laughs> if you prophesy, speak in tongues and have words of knowledge, but you don't love, I am. I'm saying the Bible says that's annoying because the source of all of that is love. So how can you do everything out of love and not love? There's something wrong. So we have to begin to see the love of God. It's where everything is. And we can't get, and I hope, <clears throat> and I pray this very often, because when we have the danger of doing a series that is now six months long, is that we just get comfortable. Yeah, we're just talking about the love of God. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. And we are. But the problem is, is we take that and we've heard about the love of God. I've heard it since I was a baby. I was born in church. Not literally, but I was born at the hospital. And then that next Sunday, I'm in church. My parents were like, when the doors are open, we are there. That was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival meeting Sunday through Thursday every month. You were just there. And I've heard, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And I'm still studying this stuff out during the week thinking, man, God, your love is way bigger. I've heard it all my life, but I still don't fully grasp it. So we got to stay connected with how big God's love is and how 
deep he wants to take us into that so we can fully understand that we just we want to keep growing because the gifts are great. It's, it's, it is a wonderful thing. First Corinthians, I mean, yeah, First Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, let love be your highest goal. But it says you can still, still seek out the gifts, but love is the highest goal. Seek that first. Seek love. That's the number one thing. Why? Because it's who God is. That's why we want, we got to go to the source, right? It's not the gifts. It's the giver of the gifts that we want to pursue. Not just the gifts. All right? So let's go to verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. So if you look at life, okay, here's here's the little child, right? And then here's the adult. I teach an art class later for you guys. That, But listen, this journey right here, it is appropriate for children to behave as children in the early stage of life. You know, when my kids were born and they... Uh, you know, they filled their diaper. I didn't, I didn't spank them. What is your problem? Uh, we don't do that. They were babies. Okay, when they, when, you, when they start to eat and they have stuff all over their face, I was like, you know what? If you're going to waste all that, you're not eating, buddy. Half that cupcake is on your face. Next time, you're not going to get frosting. That's not what we do. We think, hey, they're little. It's going to be a mess. When you go to birthday parties of like one-year-olds and two-year-olds and they put that little piece of cake in front of them, there's no fork. That's intentional. They don't know how to use it. They just, ugh. I mean, it's all over them. But that's because they're little. Right? Now, if I came to your house and we had dinner, And you put a piece of cake in front of me at the end. If I push the fork away, and I'm talking to you like, yeah, we're so glad you guys are thriving. (gasps) And I'm just wiping stuff all over my face, and I got cake everywhere, and I'm just making a mess. There's crumbs all over the floor. You're going to be like, what? What was his problem? Like, what is he doing? Because when you're here, it's one thing. But at certain times... Listen, let's, let's go with another one, right? How many of you have had little, little kids in your house, right? And they're little, and, and they're playing with something, and you say, hey, come on, we need to go. Let's put that away. And then they don't, so you grab it, and you put it away, and then you watch the show, right? I mean, you just watch it. And there's time where you, you, even at that age, there's time where there's still some discipline you can do, but there's part of that that they're young, and they're little, and they have to learn. They don't, none of your children came out sharers. None of them came out thinking about others. Mom, I'm going to go ahead and sleep through the night because I know you're tired. <laughs> they don't do that, right? They don't. They could care less if you're tired. They're going to tell you when they're hungry. They're going to tell you because... This is where they are. 
But as they grow, they become more responsible. They become more mature. So they do things different. And what Paul is saying is, look, there comes a time as a child that you can think like that. And we talk like that. We speak like that. We even reason that way. But the more that we mature, we have to begin to reason different. And we'll begin to talk different. And we'll begin to act different. So what he's saying, he's saying, look, this, this idea of all the stuff we think is important, the gifts and this and this and speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, that's good. But listen, the more you mature, the more you're going to realize what really matters is seeking God, of connecting with how much he loves you. That's what really matters. So in life, if, you, if, if you're in a place right now spiritually where you are working so hard to perform, to try to get God to love you, you're probably somewhere around here on your spiritual journey. And there's nothing wrong with that because you start here, you got to get here to get here. So you're on the way. But the more you grow, you're going to realize that you don't feel as condemned when you mess up. You don't feel as down when you mess up. You begin to see yourself that because God loves you, he declares today, right when you receive Jesus, he declares that you are completely righteous through Jesus. And when you begin to realize that he loves you and he declares you as righteous, as his children, righteous people fall, but what do they do? They get back up and they keep going and they keep growing. So Paul is saying, look, this, this idea of, of not getting so caught up on stuff that's not as important, listen, that's, this is an example of it. It's an illustration of growing in the things of God and understanding his love. It's to just put away that stuff. At some point, we, we put away the childish things and say, I got to stop doing the things that don't line up with what love is. It's okay. I'm not, we're not going to condemn anyone. The Bible, Romans 8 said there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, period. There's no condemnation for you. But I will say this, that there's times as you, as you progress and mature in, the, in your love walk with God, receiving his love, you are going to be much more aware when you're not walking in it. You're going to know. It's not going to be like, oh, man. You're just going to know. As soon as you're rude, you're going you're gonna to be like, ooh, I think I was rude. And then you can fix it. Because you don't ruin your testimony by being rude. You ruin your testimony if you're rude and you never recover. But if you're rude and you, and you correct it and you make it right. Listen, there's been times where I've been a little bit gruff with my wife or with my kids or with staff. And there's times that, listen, that doesn't ruin anything. I just say, hey, you know what? I had a lot on my mind and I just was... I just kind of took a little bit of that out on you, and I apologize. You're right there. You're right back in the right place. You just recognize I wasn't operating in the love of God, and I just want to let you know I'm getting back to that now. That's, that's, that's how we begin to walk it out. We begin to see it more. The, the more that I've studied this over the last six months, I am quickly, quickly, quickly responding much faster when I, when I find myself irritable or rude or impatient I'm catching myself much more you know my driving I, it doesn't bother me as much when people use the wrong pedal 
and they're going really slow in front of me. It, it doesn't bother me near as much. Do I still have those moments of, Lord, please, could you just do like you did sometimes, you know, where people just, they just went. They were just, whew, you know how. They just were gone. They just moved. Like, just, could you just move this car over? Could that be a mountain and I have faith that could move a mountain? Can I move that mountain to the other lane? But you know what? I'm finding myself, I'm growing. It's not about, it's not about where you are, but it's where you're going. And directions are more important than speed. You've heard me say that, but just be on the path of growing in your walk with God and watch how things change. It, it, it'll be amazing. So as we continue, we see that for, for children, it's a season where we're, they, at some point, they grow up, you know. And even as parents, some of you have, some of you have said this, probably, at some point, oh, I just wish they would stay in the little babies. No, you don't. You do for a while, but after a while, you're going to be like, all right, let's, let's go ahead and grow a little bit now. Or they get to where they're like, Chase is driving now, so... You know, watching him just drive off, we're like, he's not a little kid anymore. And there's that thought of, man, Patty one time was like, Dude, sometimes I just wish they were still little. I'm like, not me. I have to drive him to work and then come back and then go pick him up and then come back. And Nah, bye, big boy. I mean, that's like, hey, right? So there are times where we do value and how precious and innocent, but at some point we really do want them to grow up and mature. And become adults. Mature, God-loving adults. Isn't that what we want? But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy those stages. So you're not, don't, if you're a young believer, don't be like, oh, I hate this. I want to be mature. It's coming. Maturity, it happens. Just, just continue to walk your, your walk with God. Continue to focus on his love for you. And you'll watch yourself mature. You'll find yourself being patient and kind more than you were before. And it's just a process. And we're all growing in that process. Let's go to the next verse. Go to verse 12. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. So we're getting to the point that as we grow in this, and when Jesus comes again, we're going to see everything really clear. We will actually see God face to face. Can't get more clear than that. You want to know what love is face to face? When you see him, you'll know what love is. And see, he uses this analogy of the mirror because back then, even in Corinth, they, had, they, were, they made these mirrors out of this like bronze and different metals. And, and the mirrors then weren't like ours today. They were just shiny metal that you just look in. So if you go home and, and you grab a cookie sheet or you some metal something and you just look at it and you know how you can kind of see a little bit of you, but, you, but it's not clear. If you just look into some metal thing, you see this reflection. That's what, that's, what they, that's what they would see. Nowadays, our mirrors are much more clear, but it's still not the same as face-to-face. But he's saying, look, right now when you look at things, you kind of see your reflection, but you don't see really the fine detail. It's not clear to you. But one day, one day as you're on this journey and when, when the Lord comes again or when we go to be with him, guess what? It's going to be clear as clear could be. And at that moment, you're not going to need any of the gifts 
You're not going to need someone to prophesy. You're not going to need someone to give you some word of knowledge or someone to learn how to speak your language. You're going to be face to face. And you're going to realize everything that I thought, everything that I knew, was just, it was just part of it. I never, I never could have really imagined all of this. And it says that we'll begin to know him just like he knows us. And then the last word there is completely. We'll have such a sense of God's love like never before. But what we want to do now is continue to get more and more of a glimpse of it, knowing that we still aren't going to know at all. But you can know more than you know today. There is still more for you to know and understand today on how much God loves you. And the more you receive God's love, the more it will flow out of your life. We've, we've spent way too much time as believers trying to display right actions without receiving what we need to have those actions. you got to receive the love of God before you can ever love anybody like that. Because that's not human love. It's not possible for you to love people the way this passage talks about if you don't receive the love of God. Because it only comes from his love. That's the only way you're going to love people. All right? So he uses this analogy. Now let's go to the last verse there in verse 13. Three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. It doesn't get any better. Doesn't get any greater than love. They're all three valuable. But look at these, uh, look at these scriptures. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1.3. And I just saw this this week. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 1.3. As we pray to God, our Father, about you, we think of your faithful work, okay, works of faith, your loving deeds, and your enduring hope. Even when Paul is saying this, he's talking about faith, love, hope. All three of those are in this passage. Let's go to the next one. Go to Galatians 5, verse 5 and 6. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait. And that, what that, when you look in some translation, it says we hope or we eagerly wait by faith the righteous God had promised to us. And then we go to verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit of being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in what? Love. Even our hope and our faith is expressed in love. It's, it's going to come through love. Love is going to be somewhere connected with everything you do as a believer. Everything. It's the basis of it. Listen, people preach about hope and faith. People preach about forgiveness. People preach about being kind and the fruit of the Spirit and patience. But guess what? All of that comes out of love because it all comes from God who is love. And then look at 1 Peter verse 1 or chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Verse 22. You were cleansed by your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other, uh, to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. Even in this passage, again, you're seeing faith, hope, and love. All three of them are, are very valuable. Let's go to Colossians 1, verse 4 and 5. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights earlier. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love 
for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. So we're still seeing in all these verses, faith, hope, and love, they're all there. They're all there. They're very, very important. Now let's talk about faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence, hope that what we, that confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. New King James says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But remember about faith. The faith is the substance. That Greek word substance is the same word used in Hebrews 1, verse 3, when it talks about the person of Jesus. So your faith is in God. Your faith isn't for something. Your faith is in someone who will do the work. So you don't have faith for healing. You have faith in the healer. That's different. It's not faith for provision. It's faith in the provider, right? And and faith is important. The Bible says in verse 6, of Hebrews 11, that you cannot please God without faith. It's impossible. So I would say that in your walk with God, faith is important. And it's very clear in the scripture. Hope, look at Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice too and run into problems and trials where we know they develop endurance. Verse 4, and endurance develops a strength of character. And character strengthens our confident what? Hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God, what? Loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The way you receive the love of God is the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with his love. The Spirit of God came and, and, and to fill us with his love, to help us understand how much God loves us. And that hope is something we can hold on to and that we can put our trust in. And that hope is what's going to carry us through. So faith is important and hope is important. But the greatest of all of it is love. Because it's love that causes us to put our faith in God. Because when you know God loves you, you'll trust him. When you know God loves you, you know he'll be faithful to you. So you're not, your hope's not going to disappoint you. That's what it says. Your hope will not lead to disappointment. Why? Because we know how much God loves us. Think about how it says it. This hope will not lead to disappointment. If your hope leads to disappointment, you're not in the right hope. His hope will not lead to disappointment because we know how dearly God loves us. In other words, God's love for you is why your hope can be strong is why your faith can be strong. So if you don't have love, those two aren't going to help you. It's got to come from your understanding of his love. Look at John 13, 34 and 35. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. As I've loved you, you should love each other. You, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know what? This whole this whole thing is about is us understanding God's love because this is how the world is going to know that we belong to him when our love matches his love. And you can't give what you don't have. So when you receive the love of God, you'll be able to express the love of God. And when you express it, that's going to be a sign to all of the world that you belong to him. You know what the hope of the world is? It's you walking in the love of God. 
It's not your faith. It doesn't say your faith is going to be what shows people. It's not that you have hope is what shows people. It's not miracles. It's not power you walk in. It's not gifts. It's love. It's the love of God that's going to show this world they belong to him. Listen, I'm telling you, the world is looking for hope, looking for love. And we have it. But the problem is, is sometimes, you know, I heard it said this way, the world's looking for something, some real true source of real love. And then the question is, well, why aren't they finding it? Because there's a bunch of us. People at your job should have access to the love of God because you're there. People in your family should see the love of God because you're there. But it's only going to happen. It's not, that's not pressure on you to, I got to go, go to work now, walk in love. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that's ultimately what people need to see in your life. But that's not for you to try to perform or work up. That's what's going to happen when you receive the love of God. It's just going to happen. And everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. God loves you. And those people at your work and those people in your family, they need to know that God loves them. And that God's love is forever, all the way. You know, in John 13, verse 1, and I'll close with this. They're getting ready uh, before the Passover celebration. And, and Jesus knew that his time had come to leave the world, return to his Father. He's getting ready to go through the Last Supper and, and, and crucifixion and all that stuff. And, and it says he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. In other words, his love never stopped. Think about his disciples. Judas betrayed him, yet God loved him. Peter denied him, yet he was loved. The other ten, if you look at Matthew 26, 56, I believe it is, they all deserted him. You hear about Peter and Judas, and they're the ones that take a lot of heat, denied him and betrayed him. How dare y'all? What about the other ten? They deserted him. They ran off. All of his disciples failed him, yet he loved them to the end. He loved them all the way through. That's God's love. The world needs to know that in all of their stuff, in all the messed up stuff of our world, God so loved the world. He still loves everybody. He still loves everybody out there. Even those who haven't responded to his love yet, God's love is still there and is still faithful. And he wants to use us to demonstrate that. And we only can if we'll just receive it and let it change us. And in changing us, it'll change the world around us.